He threw the end of his cigar into the water, and leaning his elbows upon the bulwarks, stared meditatively at the waves. How wearisome they are, he said. Blue and green and opal, opal and blue and green. All very well in their way, of course, but three months of them are rather too much, especially. He did not attempt to finish his sentence. His thoughts seemed to wander in the very midst of it, and carry him a thousand miles or so away. Poor little girl, how pleased she'll be, he muttered, opening his cigar case, lazily surveying its contents. How pleased and how surprised! Poor little girl! After three years and a half, too, she will be surprised. He was a young man of about five and twenty, with dark face bronzed by exposure to the sun. He had handsome brown eyes, with a lazy smile in them that sparkled through the black lashes, and a bushy beard and mustache that covered the whole lower part of his face. He was tall and powerfully built. He wore a loose gray suit and a felt hat, thrown carelessly upon his black hair. His name was George Tallboys, and he was aft cabin passenger on board the good ship Argus, laden with Australian wool and sailing from Sydney to Liverpool. There were very few passengers in the aft cabin of the Argus. An elderly wool stapler returning to his native country with his wife and daughters, after having made a fortune in the colonies. A governess of three and thirty years of age, going home to marry a man to whom she had been engaged fifteen years. The sentimental daughter of a wealthy Australian wine merchant, invoiced to England to finish her education. And George Tallboys were the only first-class passengers on board. This George Tallboys was the life and soul of the vessel. Nobody knew who or what he was or where he came from, but everybody liked him. He sat at the bottom of the dinner table and assisted the captain in doing the honors of the friendly meal. He opened the champagne bottles and took wine with every one present. He told funny stories and led the life himself with such a joyous peal that the man must have been a churl who could not have laughed for pure sympathy. He was a capital hand at speculation and vingt-et-un and all the merry games which kept the little circle round the cabin lamp so deep in innocent amusement that a hurricane might have howled overhead without their hearing it. But he freely owned that he had no talent for whist and that he didn't know a knight from a castle upon the chessboard. Indeed, Mr. Tallboys was by no means too learned a gentleman. The pale governess had tried to talk to him about fashionable literature. But George had only pulled his beard and stared very hard at her, saying occasionally, "Ah, yes, by Jove," and "To be sure, ah." The sentimental young lady, going home to finish her education, had tried him with Shelley and Byron, and he had fairly laughed in her face as if poetry were a joke. The wool stapler sounded him on politics, but he did not seem very deeply versed in them. So they let him go his own way, smoke his cigars, and talk to the sailors, lounge over the bulwarks, and stare at the water, and make himself agreeable to everybody in his own fashion. But when the Argus came to be within about a fortnight's sail of England, everybody noticed a change in George Tallboys. He grew restless and fidgety, sometimes so merry that the cabin rung with his laughter, sometimes moody and thoughtful, favored as he was among the sailors. They were tired at last of answering his perpetual questions about the probable time of touching land. Would it be in ten days, in eleven, in twelve, in thirteen? Was the wind favorable? 
How many knots an hour was the vessel doing? Then a sudden passion would seize him, and he would stamp upon the deck, crying out that she was a rickety old craft, and that her owners were swindlers to advertise her as the fast-sailing Argus. She was not fit for passenger traffic. She was not fit to carry impatient living creatures with hearts and souls. She was fit for nothing but to be laden with bales of stupid wool that might rot on the sea and be none the worse for it. The sun was drooping down behind the waves as George Tallboys lighted his cigar upon this August evening. Only ten days more, the sailors had told him that afternoon, and they would see the English coast. I will go ashore in the first boat that hails us, he cried. I will go ashore in a cockle shell. By Jove, if it comes to that, I will swim to land.